Um, I'm going to change it up a little bit for our intro. I have a, a question for you, actually, a quick question. Um, I'm going to I'm going to give you a scenario here. So, I committed a crime. You saw me commit this crime. I tried to blame it on somebody else, and the case goes to court. Here's the question: If you were called to the stand to testify, how likely are you to accidentally admit? that I indeed committed the crime. So you've done the, but you've actually done it, but I don't know you've done it. Is that what you're trying to say? No, you saw me commit the crime, but how likely yeah. are you to spill the beans that I actually committed it? I won't, I won't write you out. Yeah. Well, unfortunately that didn't happen to Reese Walsh on Tuesday when Fafida went to the stand and he accidentally um, said that, Walsh did, in fact, score at the referee. So, yeah, he... Oh, that was... Look, oh, don't. You know, that's what I want to talk about. And that was clearly on the referee. As soon as Bruce Walsh swore, as soon as he started... As soon as he put the swear, swear words that came out of his mouth, it was straight away... He was like, oh, it was Paddy, it was Paddy. It was like that kid... You know that kid when you get in trouble in school and then you just go, like... You have, like, your first... You just get the first excuse that comes in your head. Yeah, it's like, I oh, know. I've oh, heard that before words. too. It was definitely to the ref, and I'm surprised he did not get sent off straight away. I'm, I'm surprised he didn't get the finger for that because it was directly at the ref. That, yeah. That was, it was directly at him. But players, look, he shoot it, and the problem was he's – that's the reason why I don't – I like Reese Walsh as a player. I don't like him as a person. I do not like him as a person whatsoever. I just, he's a gun player. He's a freak, but I hate him. Well, I don't hate him, but like, I just don't like him. I just dislike him as a person, like as a footy player and as a role model. Like kids look up to a player like Reese Walsh and they want to be, like he's that type of player that every kid wants to be. And if he's off the field, like causing trouble, trying to like, like he has to like do a big responsibility to be an NRL player, your role model in a sense. So you can't really like, like you can't really do what he did was bad. Like you just if you swore the field, just admit it straight away. Just say, yep, that was me. Sorry, sorry referee. Sorry to the NRL board. Sorry to my club. Apologize and that's it. And move on. Mm-hmm. We're all human. We all make mistakes. But yeah. admitting it is the first way of becoming a man, not pushing it to the side and trying to – and also backing it up saying, oh, it was Paddy again. Like he even tried saying it was like – like to Fox Sports, he said that oh, I was actually swearing to Paddy, to Pat Carrigan. Like when I heard – when I saw it, I'm like, no, he was not swearing at Paddy. There was no way he was. Hmm. Yeah, I even, okay. I even, okay. I even like tried to like be on his side. I'm like, because I'm not a big fan of referees myself as well. Like sometimes the referees can make bad decisions. So, but this time I'm on the ref side, like. So, yeah, that's all I got to say about that. Mm. Well, I'm glad to know that uh, in that sort of long speech 
that you would stick up to me and keep your mouth closed if I were to commit the crime. That's good to know. So uh, that's one person I can trust. I don't think I can trust David Fafita if he ever knew me or if he ever saw me commit the crime. But um, how how are you, by the way, anyway? Hey, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Um, what about yourself? Yeah, uh, not bad. Uh, I'm glad to be recording again, having some more free time now that I'm on uh, holidays, pretty much. And, yeah, that's it, yeah. Um, good. Good to yeah, have a new so, Yeah, so um, yeah, I can do a lot more research and into our topics today. But let's get started. So the first thing I wanted to look at was the Luke Brooks signing to Manly. Now, um, I'll get your opinion on this, but I just wanted to go through some details with you. So Luke Brooks, he's 29 years old at the start of the 2024 season. The contract that Manly is looking like four years for $3 million over those four years. So around $700,000 per season. And that is according to zero tackle. He's played 202 games throughout his whole career with a winning percentage of 37.62. The one stat I wanted to tell you was Lou Brooks has played the most games without playing in the finals, right? Do you understand that? Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, I understand. In light of that, what do you think of the Luke Brooks signing to Manly? I don't know. It's very, very surprising to me. I wouldn't expect the club to sign a player like him when they've got like Cherry Evans there too. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah, it's very, I don't know. I feel like, I, I don't, are they going to use him as a 5 8? And Josh Hussar, like, goes as, like, a like where he usually is now, the back row? Or, like, the plan was for this for Josh Hussar to be the next, um, to be the next 5 8 and be the new thing where he does the no look pass and he's super pass and stuff. Like, but yeah, they had this sign, Luke Brooks. I don't know, were they using, what? Like, I'm free. I'm. I don't know. It's very, like, a, I don't. I'm very. I really don't have like a really big opinion on it. It's just like, I don't see no point of him signing. Like, there's no benefits whatsoever. Mm. It's, yeah. Unless they, unless Cherry Evans is retiring. That's one thing I'm thinking. If he's retiring, because I don't see him as a five eight. I see him as a like a solid halfback, Luke Brooks, as well. Or are they trying to maybe have like this new play where Cherry Evans wants a bit of pressure off, and they need like them to need to play halves on both their sides. Mm. Yeah, I do think um, he is a good fit with Cherry Evans. Uh, Cherry Evans is more of the controlling halfback, whereas Brook is more of a. Um, whether it be playing five eighth or halfback, he's more of the uh, running style player, right? Rather than the controlling yeah. passing sort of player. Um, I think for him as well, just as a person, it's a good move to get out of the Tigers situation. You know, I've always compared the Tigers and Brooks relationship to really like a bad marriage. So, uh, you know, when two people get together, uh, they fall in love with each other. And 
they get married, right? But as soon as they get married, all the problems start, you know, and they might have a child to see whether um, that brings them closer together, but it doesn't really. And a lot of their friends and family, they're just saying, look, you got to get a divorce, but it feels like one side wants to stay together. The other side wants to leave. And now finally one side has taken the initiative and said, no, nah, I'm leaving. And yeah. they're going to now finalize the divorce. That's what it feels like to me, this relationship yeah. with Brooks and West Tigers. You're right. Yeah. I feel like um, there's two sides of this. Um, I feel like Manly supporters are mad that they've signed Luke Brooks, their team. But I feel like the media has said that Luke Brooks going to Manly is a great signing for the team. Um, I think my only question about this is um, he's probably going to be a core player within their team over the next four years with that contract. How much of that is he going to have an influence on the winning side, right? So like I said to you, he's the number one player for most games played without making the finals, right? And his winning percentage is not that great either. Is what's like what's this move going to do for them, right? For Manly, is that's, it? That's anyway. that's what I'm. Yeah, I get that. That's what I'm thinking. Like that's the reason why I'm saying I don't know why they would sign him. Like I don't think he's not. He's a fit, but like he's not the best fit for the club. And I don't see them moving with that signing. I don't see that, like obviously we don't know yet because it's not 2024, and we might be proven wrong. But I don't see any changes happening. To me, I think it's the. I think it's the wrong signing for Manly. Like they've got Cherry Evans in the halves there, and they've been trying Josh Schuster. They like they trained him up. He full missed out on the World Cup just to train and lose all this weight so that way he could be a five eight. And now I feel like they're just like they've they've lost faith in that plan. Like they've gone, yep, let's throw that plan out the window. And like Josh Schuster just missed out on the World Cup for no reason. Like he could have been playing a World Cup grand final for Samoa, for his country, if he really wanted to. Yeah. But instead, I... he wanted to lose weight and just do the um, and focus on his club because the club had faith in him. And now it's like, oh, the club's lost faith in him. Well, I don't think Josh Schuster was never going to be a 5'8 in the first place. He's too young. Yes, he, maybe one day he will be. But. You can't be a five at the age of twenty two, and how how much does he weigh? Do you know how much what how big he is roughly? Uh, he'd be in the hundreds at least. Like he'd be about one hundred and five. Like you'd be, if you wanted him to use his ball playing skills, play him like an Azio. So in the thirteen is what you suggest. Yeah. Yes. Put him in the middle. Put him in the middle. Mm-hmm. Let him put the forwards. There's a lot of striking forwards in that manly forward pack. And let him like take control of the middle a little bit, put the forwards in holes, and maybe have like that connection with um Olukawatu, put him in holes too, and let him roam around and be a lock, and let him learn the trade first, because Cooper Cronk said like because I'm Cooper Cronk's right like I think young players don't need to be a half straight away like if they're like playing hard positions, they don't put him in the half straight away, don't give him that leadership. Let him earn it, let him learn the game, let him know what it's like in the middle. Let them know what it's like on the edges because they know once they get into half, how to read the game a bit more because they've played those positions. 
Yeah, you're absolutely right. But yeah, I've got some notes here for Schuster. I think um, it was interesting. Like he re-signed with the team the next day after Luke Brooks gets announced to be signing with Manly. And a lot of people, they've been saying, oh, why would you sign him for 800k a season? If you look on Zero Tackle again, right, he's already earning 800k. Do you expect him as a young player to take a pay cut? Like, I don't think so. You only see older players take pay cuts these days. Um, and, you know, I don't feel like contracts really mean anything in sports anymore, right? How likely is Josh to leave at the end of the 2024 season saying, oh, look, I'm not happy here. I want to play 5-8 at another club. Yeah. You know, I saw um, I saw that Luke Brooks signed, right? And, you know, I might have secretly been seeing how he could have joined the Roosters. This is Josh Schuster. I was trying to work out um, how I could get him to the Roosters because I really like Schuster. I think Schuster's got the potential to be either the second or third best player on a premiership winning team. I was trying to work out what... As a fake trade, what do you think? Do you think Brandon Smith for Josh Schuster might work? So to Manly, oh, no, nah, no, nah, Jerry, what's is it? Lock, yeah, Lockham Croker. Mm-hmm. He's a good hooker there. He's solid there. They like him. Yeah, I don't think they're not going to trade another hooker in. Or they won't trade Smith for him. Um, no, I don't see that happening. Okay. I thought it was just a fun little fake trade. Um, no. Nah. I've been but, listening, yeah, sorry, I've been listening to a lot of the media as well about the Josh Schuster re-signing. Um, he's being criticised for his play this year, right? And a lot of the media, but they're saying, oh, he hasn't got enough control, consistency. People forget this guy's only 22 years old, right? He's not even close to being the finished product that he is. And they've also been talking about how defensively he's been caught out. You know, arguably... Schuster's having a better statistical season than Luke Brooks at the moment. At least defensively, Luke Brooks is only getting a tackle efficiency of 80.9%, whereas Josh is getting about 86.4%. So I don't know where the defensive criticism come from when clearly Josh is a better defender than Luke Brooks statistically. Plus, Josh is getting one try, uh, eight try assists throughout eight appearances this year. Whereas Luke Brooks, one try, five try assists over 13 appearance. So, you know, statistically, Josh is having a better season than Luke Brooks. And again, I think that goes back to my question. Is he going to be happy playing second row while Luke Brooks is playing 5-8? Look, I think... I think Josh Husser is a good player. He's probably... He's a unique player. <laughs> It's the reason why a lot of clubs like him and a lot of people like him. And I think Manly fans expected a lot more out of him. They don't see he's just a kid. They see him as this freak player who's going to be the next Brett Stewart for him. Like, he's going to be the next Brett Stewart who's going to get over the line and get him to a premiership. And they don't see change. But I think he just needs to learn his trade. I think that's... I think they've moved him to the halves too early. Well, he's 22 at the moment, right? Like, give the kids some time. Some people need to understand that when you're playing an important position like 5'8 or halfback, these things take time, right? We've talked about it in the past. These positions are like the quarterbacks in the NFL. And you said That's a right. good point last week. 
how many people do you see who are really young who perform that quickly in the NFL towards a winning team? You don't really see it often. And it's the yeah. same in the NRL too. How quickly do you see five base or halfbacks really young into their career perform well for a winning team? I reckon, yeah. Well, yeah, like jo- like Josh Houston needs to learn, like, I think he needs to learn the footy game first. Like, NRL is a different beast to junior footy. Like, in junior footy, he was playing, like, because he's my age. So, when he was coming up the ranks, he was the guy that everyone talked about in my age group. And he was playing 5-8, and he was an absolute superstar in that SJ ball side for me. Like, he was just like, he was just, um, he was a real well beater. Like, he was just palming people off. He looked like Sonny Bill on steroids playing SG ball. Like, he was just palming people off, had the ball in one hand, flicking it everywhere. Like, he just looked, he was an absolute freak. And that's what, and I think a lot of Manly fans, they might see him play 5 8 for SG ball and stuff. They must have followed him throughout his career, playing flag, playing reserve grade and stuff for Manly. But NRL's a different beast. It's a different beast of footy. It's the fastest, the most physical game, like in the whole world. It's the best, like, it's the best level you can play. It's better mm. than the Super League. The Super League's a bit more physical, they say, but pace wise, like how fast the game, it's definitely the NRL. And he has to learn how to keep up with the game still. And it takes a while to learn the game, especially for him when he's a bigger body. He's played back row. If he's playing good in the back row, just leave him there. But give him that ball playing role as well. Like There's no rules in the book saying he has to be a solid back rower that runs the ball 24-7. Like work, as a coach, the best coaches work around their players' talents, what their players' strengths are. And you've got Josh Schuster who's, got, who's powerful, and he can throw the ball around. So use that. Like, I think Manly should be using him as a like Nzaio. Put him at lock in the middle. Get him ball playing. Make, make him that link player. That, and I reckon teams would crack if they put him in the middle. Like if you had Luke Brooks, Cherry Evans, and then him in the middle, like that'd be a lethal sign. Yeah, I think uh, defensively he might get caught out. You don't know how he would be playing through the middle, in the mid- particularly in the middle. In in the middle, it's more defensively. So, how I see it, when you defend in the middle, it's a fitness game. It's how tough you are because what you're doing as a middle, your work rate has to be skyrocketing. Like you have to make tackle. You have to make three tackles in a row. You got to. Chase the you gotta chase the kicker then, then you gotta hit up the ball. You gotta ruck the ball out of your half. Um where on the edges it's more decision making. And as you get wider, the hardest position to defend is the centers. And probably even the back rowers too, because if you let a half through as a back rower, you look like well, you don't look too good, don't you? So like and I think it's more decision making on the edges rather than a fitness game. But I think he could handle the middle. As defensively, he could. He's big enough to. And you've got also, you've got bigger bodies next year. It's whether the work rate, if he can handle it. Yeah. And 
you know who but do you know who else was a five eight center and who moved into lock? Who? Azayo. Mm-hmm. When he first started his career, he was a solid he was a center. And I remember when he made his debut back when oh, I think it was like two like in the late two thousands and tens, I wasn't two thousand ten, wouldn't be that late. Be a bit earlier, like two thousand fourteen maybe. I don't I don't remember, it was around those times. He was a center. And he was tall. And he was he had no speed whatsoever. That was his problem. He had no speed playing the centers. So they moved him to the back row. And he was going to right in the back row. Like he was running holes and stuff. But now he's like took this role as a link player in the middle as a lock. And the first year he played that was when they made the grand final against Melbourne. So, like I said, it's all about the coach. And if Seabolt needs to know what he's, what Josh Schuster's talents are, honestly, for me, he'd be perfect in the middle. Ball play middle, link player, you get it to him. Terry Evans covers one edge. He covers Luke Brooks. If he's playing next year, he'll cover the other edge. And he just controls the middle and he will give good service to Cherry Evans and good service to Brooks and both of them will excel at their games. Mm. Yeah, you make some really good points um, with how it sort of just links up with each other too. And I think it is going to be also dependent on their success with how healthy Tommy is. But that's another um, issue to really talk about with his future. My only thing uh, that i got to ask you as well is when we're looking at the Tigers side of things, right? So personally, I feel like it, this is going to be actually really good for the Tigers. Um, they can go in a new direction as well, and potentially that can take them towards winning too. Um, have you heard of the Ewing theory? No. No. So the Ewing theory is basically this idea where Um, So this was from an NBA player back in the day named Patrick Ewing, who used to play for the Knicks. Oh, yeah, I know, yes. And someone came up with this theory they thought of that whenever Patrick Ewing was injured or out of the team, the New York Knicks would play better. And I feel like there's potential for Ewing theory here with Luke Brooks and the West Tigers. I feel like once he leaves the West Tigers may be able to become a winning team and be able to perform better. I don't know. What do, you, do you have any thoughts on that or on what that means for the West Tigers going forward? Uh, I'm not, yeah. You, you know what? You could be right, but you could be wrong as well. I feel like it's either going to go one way. And I think you, you might be right. It might be a Ewing theory um, way where Luke Brooks leaves and all of a sudden they start winning. But it could also go really down south too. It all depends. I think it all depends who they buy. But who's going to be their half? And you can't really think of anyone. Well, can you? Have you got anyone in mind that could be the next potential half for West Tigers? Or yeah, um, I do. So obviously, I've thrown around Jonah Pezard's name in the past. Um. I also feel like, and this person's being linked to in the, with the media, uh, <laughs> it would be uh, Braden Trindle. I feel like he's sort of biding his time 
and it doesn't look like he's ever going to be playing halves unless Moylan or Hines were to get some sort of serious injury for Cronulla. And I believe that uh, Latu Fainu, he's also a half, but he's quite young. Uh, he's on a, a big contract as well, so who knows what his potential is looking like too. Uh, yeah, so I feel like, um, you know, the West Tigers could go in a, a number of directions, but um, I'm going to leave it up to them. So uh, we're going to take a break, and then I want to discuss something around NRL halfbacks. All right, we're back. Really what I wanted to look at today was do halfbacks in the NRL age well? Now, this is something that's really been brought up um, that was brought up with Lou Brooks signing with Manly that, you know, he's 29, he hasn't hit his 30s yet, he's going to age really well. There was also another point that you made last week as well with Ben Hunt, how they age pretty well, that sort of stuff. So I really wanted to look at the information um looking at players from 2000s, 2010s, and halfbacks who are currently playing in the NRL who are over the age of 30. Basically, my conclusion is that it can go two ways. Either players, statistically, they sort of maintain at where they are, or they just plateau off the face of the earth by the time they hit the age of 30. And if you look at it, so I looked at the players in two thousands, guys like Luke, uh, guys like um, yeah, Matt Orford, um, looking at Scott Prince, Ben Hornby, guys like that. Actually, you can answer this one because he played at Penrith in his thirties. Do you remember how Jamie Soward was for your team? He was actually no, he was decent. He was actually decent. Us. He did get us to a um scenario finals. He did. Yeah, because I was looking at the and, stats. Yeah. And like everyone bagged him out when they signed him, but he was actually a really good player for us. Yeah. It was a good so, uh you don't know this, but he's actually one of sort of my ho- most hated players that I've ever watched because he used to play for the Roosters. And when he won the 2010 grand final for St. George. He beat the Sydney Roosters, so he was all, and he always would play well against my team. I've always not liked Soward for that reason, uh, but it was interesting because I believe he that preliminary final was in his first year, and then the last two years he was at Penrith. It sort of just plateaus off. Yeah, he did. Yeah, that's what happened. Um, and then you look at the halfbacks of the 2010s. You got guys like Thurston, who just kept getting injured. Uh, Michael Morgan as well, who later transitioned into a halfback role when he uh, got older. But again, he just sort of fell off the face of the earth with injuries. Um, Cooper Cronk, he really just sort of maintained, especially when he moved uh, to the Roosters as well. Statistically, um, it went down a bit for him, but he was still... Uh, that complimentary piece, the one that, uh, that winning player, rather, I should say, uh, particularly the fact that in the final three years of his career, one being at Melbourne and the other two being at the Roosters, 
uh, he was able to win a premiership in all three of those seasons. Now, four, we have um, about, I think, four players that are four or five players over the age of 30 at the moment uh, who are playing halfback in the NRL. The one outlier uh, between them is actually Sean Johnson. Um, all the others, like Ben Hunt, uh, DCE, and Chad Townsend, the, and Adam Reynolds, I should say, all of them have statistically fallen off, except Reynolds, who has improved statistically from South, but I feel like that's just because he has more responsibility at the team. With Sean Johnson, he's performing at his best this season, and it's a real big outlier uh, compared to what I've seen over the 2000s and 2010 players. Now, Luke Brooks, he could potentially be that, but basically what I'm saying is, based on history, I don't feel like halfbacks really age that well from a statistical standpoint. They either maintain or they sort of just plateau off the face of the earth and go into retirement because no other team really wants them. I know. What do you do? You feel like there's more to this, or do you feel like that's where Lou Brooks is heading? I feel like it's not. Look, I don't think it's not. I think the top, I think it's like uh, halves age well. It's not that. It's more halves are better with experience, not halves age well. Like a player could be like Isaiah Katoa. He can be 19 now, but he will be better in the next five years. And when he's in five years' time, he's 19. What, so he'll be 24? Yeah. yeah. Something around there. Yeah. 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 So he'd be 24. And that's what, that's young still. That's still a kid. And he's already had five years' experience of the NRL. Right. And so he'll be a better player then. But I, I with Sean Johnson, I think the only reason why he's an outlier is because of the right coaching, I think. And also, he's like, I think Andrew Webster has brought the best out of Sean Johnson again. Um, And halfbacks, I've, even though statistically like Ben Hunt, Cherry Evans and Ted Townsend and, and Reynolds have not, like, have gone like better, but they've actually been good influences on their club. Like old heads are good for the club because they teach the younger players. It's like, like I said, an old head, I think I've told you this before, old heads on the field is like having another coach. They know the game and they know, like they've been in the game for a while now. Even though statistically they might not get you there, but mentally they will. Mm. Mentally they'll go to players and go, you're doing this wrong, you're doing this wrong. I'll show you the way if I don't have a hamstring injury. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that's a really good point. Um, you're saying more of a, uh, you know, they're almost like a, a father figure for these young players, right? So mentors. Yes, that's right, 100%. And, you know, we always talk about, uh, it's like in the NBA, right? Another reference. So Memphis Grizzlies is a really good example, right? And, you know, there's this really, they're a really young team full of a lot of promise, but some of their players are getting into trouble right now, even their star player in Ja Morant. And the big thing about them is they don't really have an adult in the room per se. And, 
you look at free agency right now and what's been talked about is they're bringing all these experienced players and that's the plan. And I feel like clubs need that sort of people in the club because they need to teach these young players how to actually play the game, how to deal with media and all that sort of stuff too. And I feel like halfbacks in the older age, yeah, that's probably what they would bring to the club too. But from what I find statistically um, towards actually winning a premiership, you know, and I don't feel like they actually get better with age. And I feel, and well, that's what people were saying about Luke Brooks, that he's only going to get better with age. Already, you can see with Luke Brooks, he's he hasn't played uh, really a healthy season over the last two years. So, you know, potentially could that be him heading towards a bit more of an injury-riddled career at Manly? Um, you can see that statistically he's already falling off. The only thing that's really increased is his running game. So I think my question to you is, how do you see Luke Brooks aging at Manly? Well, you just were talking about this before the break. You just said to me that he was going to be a 5'8 role, a running player as Manly's 5'8 running player, as Cherry Evans would be the dominant half. So how is he going to be a running player if he's older? As you do know, when you get older in age, it's scientific. You, your muscles, like you're more prone to injury. You get a little bit slower. You probably put on a little bit more weight as well. So how is he going to be that running role if he's not fresh? Like, yeah, maybe. He could prove us wrong. He might be the best running 5'8 at the age of 30, but... Like, really? I don't think so. Yeah. I think it's more the halves age well through experience. That's what it is. And they bring experience. Experience is a hard thing to find in a team. I suppose we get like a lot of A-grade clubs. They get these NRL players that are captain slash coach. Because they coach a side, but they also play. Like all of these local A-grade clubs. And then, and all they do is they're not that good of a player. They just bring in experience mm-hmm. and they bring in that coaching role. If uh, if Luke Brooks doesn't fire, he probably will become the most expensive Blacktown workers player in the history of the club. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it could be. We could be seeing he might win a reserve grade team. A reserve mm-hmm. grade. Um, at least he's winning something. Yeah. Potentially, I just thought of this as well. Could he do what Sean Johnson's doing right now? So Sean Johnson, early in his career, he was the the running 5'8 halfback, right? He was the excitement machine, but he wasn't really the winning player. Um, I believe he went to one grand final with the Warriors. Could Luke Brooks go in that situation, right? So does he need to mold his game to become that halfback that Sean Johnson has transitioned into, which is more of the general um, sort of the controlling general halfback. Well, hmm. well, if Cherry Evans isn't there, if they, but I feel like Cherry, look, when he's going to Manly, Cherry Evans is going to be their star. He's, well, that's set in concrete, I think. 
or actually I don't think I'll know. Sorry. And with Luke Brooks, yeah, he could be like that. But it all depends on the right like I said with Sean Johnson, it was all the right coaching. The coach brought him out, brought the best out of him. So and that's the reason why he's playing the way he is today. And all the players are getting right behind him too. It's also the players. The players have got to have faith in their players, in their own players as well. Like I feel like sometimes West Tigers don't have faith in Luke Brooks where maybe Manly might. They might have faith in him. And they might like run his holes and like it's a team game. Mm. Yeah, Everyone, has to play. Everyone has to play with each other. Everyone has to do their job in order to win the game. You can't just pinpoint. Like we looked at Origin last week. You can't just pinpoint the game on one person. It was the coach's fault. It was the player's fault. It was everyone's fault. It wasn't just one. Maybe mostly Brad Fitler, but like still. Like, <laughs> what are you, talk- what are you talking about? The coaching staff seemed to pinpoint it on uh, the other players as well, right? And the media seemed to pinpoint it on one decision, which was Damian Cook playing at centre. Yeah, it's also that too. But I wouldn't say that's a big, wasn't the biggest um, threat. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's I... interesting to see how Luke Brooks transitions into the 5-8 or into halfback later into his career because you think if the plan is for Cherry Evans to retire this year and next year, he would eventually become the halfback for Manly. Yeah, that's, I think that's what it, I think that's what the plans are. For him to be the back. Mm. And hopefully, maybe, because they've got that, um, is it that Sione, we spoke, spoke about before, Sione Fanu? Yeah, oh, one of the Fanu brothers, uh, but I believe he's been linked to a move with the Tigers. Oh, really? Yeah, really. Mm. So well, there was, you go. They're letting him go, potentially, it, from what half? I've heard. Yeah, potentially from what I've heard, he's a half. Yeah, I don't really know. I didn't know who he was until I found out that he was going to the Tigers and he was on about 500k a season. That's ridiculous. Hasn't played in a row. He's on 500k. Yeah. Imagine that getting money thrown at you like that. Mm. That's amazing. Shout out to Jack. Shout out to Jack Howarth. Yeah, he's living up in his penthouse in Melbourne. Mm. on 500k a season for the next five years and he hasn't played a single NRL game. The most expensive reserve grader in the league. He'll get his run. He'll he'll get his run soon. All right. Yeah. He deserves it. He'll get he'll get up there. He's been he's done too much um what you call it? his his apprenticeship's pretty much over now. I think he, they should give him a crack soon. Mm. It's good enough. All right, Anth. Um, did you want to talk about anything else? That's it from my end, looking at my research. Did you want to look at anything else? No, that's it. We've got a lot of stuff going on about in the footy lately. It's good. We've always had a lot of juicy stuff to talk about. Yeah. Um, it's almost coming to the end of the season now. Mm. Is, and everyone's already talking about next year, which is like, we'll just, I remember we'll just starting the year. And now we're already talking about 2024, which is scary, but, you know. It goes quickly. goes quickly. It does. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Do you, who do you think, do you think, you got any bold predictions for this season, like this season coming up? Like, is there anything that Ooh. might? 
off the top of my head no do, I, do you have anything i've got to give me a minute to think about something well what about what about um dragons falling off the face of the earth they're just falling off the haven't they just falling off the face of the earth yeah it's almost it's almost like ben hunt is you know he's sort of right in a way you can see why he wants to leave you feel like he's trying but um do you feel like he still tries or you reckon he just does his job and lets his team you know you know what i think he is trying but this is similar to another player that uh situation with a player in the nba do you know what happened with kevin durant no so he was on the brooklyn nets and during the off season he asked for a trade but they denied the trade because they couldn't get uh, something back in return. But during the season, the one that just went past, he got traded in the middle of the year uh, because they got a sufficient offer. But basically it came out afterwards that the Brooklyn Nets and Kevin Durant came to an agreement that if the team was falling apart, if they had traded their other star players away from Brooklyn, then they'd look for a partner to trade with Kevin, right? I feel like this is the same thing with Ben Hunt. Basically, he's requested a release. They didn't get it uh, because I don't know why. Maybe it's they didn't get the offer that they were looking for. But I feel like this is something that's going to be transpiring during the offseason where you could see Ben Hunt being traded to more than likely a Queensland team because he wants to move there. Probably Gold Coast just because they had more assets. Yeah, I think he's going to go to Gold Coast. Yeah. So I that's where it's looking I think, like. I think he just... How much is he on now? Uh, so I was looking at his contract. And I think I said to you last week that this year he's getting paid $1.1 million, But I think now it's getting reduced down to about 800k a season. That's from what I heard from last offseason. And it's about so two... And that's the reason why he wants to leave because he's getting that reduction. Yeah, possibly. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean that's a good point. Like he could could he earn more money at another club? That's de- I I think that's definitely it. Because mm. why would you go like he'd be probably he'd probably wanting more. He'd probably be wanting like one point. Like how who's how much is Nathan Cleary on? He's on like one point five. One point three. One point three. Yeah, still not the highest paid player in the league. Who's the highest pay? Uh, it's Kalen Ponga. At one point four, oh, oh <laughs> bad contract. Well, that's that's got to be the big like. Yeah, how you said like Tevita Pangai Jr. was a bad contract. Yeah, I, I think that's probably going to almost top that one now. I think you think it's worse. Yeah, I mean that's a video idea we have. Like, I want to do a um a draft where we do the worst contracts in the league. That's eventually what we want to do uh, as a plan, but. You know, you got to say, Kalen Pong is probably on that, um, on the big board right now to go with one of the early picks. Easy by far. Oh, yeah. 1.4. I don't even know. That's, that's horrible. Wow. <laughs> What's Newcastle doing, man? Yeah. Oh. I don't know. That should be, that'll be definitely a fun one. Um, yeah. yeah. All right. Um, well, We'll leave it at that then. Um, again, thank you for joining me, Anthony. 
Um, always a pleasure having you getting on. Uh, if you want to follow Anthony on Instagram, it's at ant underscore booker. Uh, if you want to follow me on Instagram, it's vincentmans12. Uh, you can also follow the podcast, which is Vincent Man Sports Podcast. I think I'm going to be releasing a video over the next few days. And it's basically just uh, looking at the uh, worst takes of the 2023 season in the NRL so far. So you can find that on my YouTube cha- uh, YouTube page, which is uh, Vincent Manns. And as always, thanks for listening and have a good day.